This is a podcast from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship, a gathering of many nations who are one in Christ. This sermon is from our series on the first letter of John called Life in God's Love. Our scripture reading today is taken from the first letter of John, chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. We know that we have come to know God if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. It's truth in sin in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. This is the word of the Lord. Good afternoon, everybody. For those who don't know me, my name is Conrad. I'm not the pastor of TRCF. I'm just one of the guys on the preaching team. And um, Pastor Bart has been preaching a series about Christ in the Old Testament. And then um, some of us on the preaching team have been going through and working through the book of 1 John. And I think I'm the third the third person to, and we are going to, as you saw on the, on the scriptures, we are in 1 John 2, and we are dealing with verse 3 to verse 11. So I just want to start off with a comment by uh, Jerome. Uh, he was a disciple of John, the author of this book, or everyone commonly agrees that this is the, that the author of, of John is John, but um in his commentary on Galatians 6 verse 10, Jerome tells a famous story of blessed John the Evangelist, or John the Apostle. And he was in his extreme old age at Ephesus. And he used to be carried into the congregation in the arms of his disciples. And he was unable to say anything except, little children love one another. And this is what he would say every time he would uh, speak to the congregation. Little children love one another. At last, one of his worried students said, Master, you always speak these same words. Why do you always say this? And John replied with the words, It is the Lord's command, and only if this is done, it is enough. Now, it's very hard to preach from the book of 1 John without mentioning the word love or speaking about love. Because as we see in 1 John, it is filled with love. The principle, the topic, the theme, love. And John had a very special dynamic with this principle of love. 
we see that he, it is believed that he referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Um, they called him the beloved of the Lord. He was the one who lay on Jesus' breast, on his chest. So he had a very intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's very interesting to note that the different authors of the Gospels, they, looked at, they all looked at the same Jesus, the same Son of God, the same Son of Man. Yet you see different perspectives coming out in how they saw Jesus. For instance, in, in the Gospel of John, he's always mentioned as the Son of God. In Matthew, he is commonly referred to as the coming King. It's always talked about as the coming King. In Mark, he is the servant. In Luke, Luke had a very unique perspective of Jesus as the Son of Man. His humanity, how he related as a, as a human being. And they all beheld the same word of God. They all beheld the same person. Yet they saw unique facets and were able in their gospels put, to portray the different facets of Christ's character for our edification. And one of the things that really stands out for me with John was this principle of love. He had a very deep and significant revelation of the principle of love. And we see this in his relationship with Christ. And we see it in his letters. And I think the first thing I learned from the book of 1 John is how this revelation of walking with Jesus and this intimate revelation, he took that revelation and it transformed his life. He became the message he was pre that was preached to him. The revelation that he received about the love of God, that burned in him so brightly. Not only did it change his life, but it's all that came out. And this is what we need to do with the word of God when we receive it in our lives. Not just doing the word, but we need to allow the revelation to change and transform us. That we live it, that we breathe it, that we speak it. Because what is in the heart is what comes out the mouth. What your heart is full of, the mouth will flow over. My life will flow, out of my life will flow whatever is moving through this river of my spirit. And we see with John this principle of love. Now, another thing about 1 about John, to the naked eye, to the, to the natural eye, it can seem very repetitive. He seems to say the same thing over and over and over again. Just as I said in the story, you always say, dear children, love one another. But I want you to have a look at how I see it. I see it as like a diamond, a finished diamond. When you look at a diamond, it's so beautiful and sparkly and shiny. And there's so many different facets to this diamond. Every time you change it, it changes in the spectrum of the, of the color or, or the brilliance. You can see it. Every time you look at it from a different angle, you marvel at its beauty. And so when we look at the principle of love or the book of John, imagine it as viewing a, a diamond. You're looking at the same thing, but you're looking at it from different facets. Similarly, the theme of love, it is so difficult, it is impossible to cover that topic in one sermon. Because the Bible is filled with the love of God. God is love. We could spend an entire year on 1 Corinthians 13 
or talking about the topic of love. 1 John is so full of depth and richness of revelation concerning the theme of love. We can spend so much time. So I do not intend to try and encapsulate the whole theme of love in my sermon. (laughs) That is impossible. But I would like to highlight maybe one or two of those little facets of that diamond this afternoon for us, for our edification. So this thing that he said, love, love one another, we'll see as we work through it. In fact, let's just go through it now in, one, in 1 John 2. From verse 3 to 6, he starts to talk about our love for God. Now, I don't know, Gen Z, Gen X, I don't know what generation I was or what generation is happening now. What is the generation now? Gen, is it Gen Z? Okay, I don't know. I, I, I was born in 1980. What generation does that make me? The best. The best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But I, I, rem- I remember even in my generation, the kids would have this little sign. You know what it stands for? Loser. Okay, but now we're going to change that around because we don't have the mindset of the, of the world, but the mindset of the Lord. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to use this and I'm going to talk about the principle of love. And we're going to talk about the vertical plane and the horizontal plane. All right? Because we see this covered in, in 1 John, but this is, this is the essence of love, is this. Not loser, but love, okay? <laughs> All right? It's like the, is it right for you? Is it like that for you? Okay. <laughs> All right? Vertical and horizontal plane of love. And this is essential because, in fact, the prophets and the law, in fact, our Christian walk, everything hangs upon these two planes. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. This is the first and greatest of the commandments. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in these two, the whole law is fulfilled. Very simple principle. But if, we, we, if it's so simple, we need to grasp it, and we need to apply it, and we need to understand it. Because if we can get this right, not only will our lives be transformed, but our communities will be transformed, our families, our churches, through the love of God. All right? So, in verse 3 to 6, John is talking about the vertical plane. And he talks about how our love for God flows out of our lives in the form of obedience and good works. So let's just read that verse 3 to 6. Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, this is not just know about him, right? Everyone knows about, most people know about Jesus or know about the Christian God. It's not knowing about, this is a deep and intimate knowing. Yeah, I know him. I, I, I know Donald Trump. I know, who's the current president of America? Joe Biden. I know, I, sorry, I don't know the Georgian president. Uh, it lapses my mind, and you won't know my, the president of my home country, so I just chose a famous person, okay? I know about these people, but when I say I know God, what does that mean? It means I have a personal, intimate knowledge of the person I'm talking about. Are you with me? So, this is what John is talking about. If I say, 
I know him, but I do not keep his commandments. This guy is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly, the love of God has been perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought to himself also walk just as he walked. Now, I'm just going to mention again what I said there. Our love for God that flows out in our lives in the form of obedience and good works. It's not, okay, so I obey God, that means I love God. I love God, and therefore, because I love God, out of my life will flow obedience. Are you with me? It's a, it's a, it's, it sounds like gymna- uh, semantic gymnastics, but it's not. It's a very essential thing because there's a very fine line between living in obedience in response to God's love and trying to earn God's love by walking in obedience. Are you with me? Because if we go the second way, the latter, then we're trying to say that salvation is by works. We start to step in that puddle of mud. But no, because I love God, therefore I will obey him. And this is the essence of this this principle. Because you see, if I love God, will I commit adultery? No, because I love God. Will I commit murder if I love God? No, because I love him, I will, will not do that. I will obey him because I love him. If I love my wife, will I commit adultery? No, because I value and love my wife. Do you see how it works? That's why when Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Jesus is not saying, prove to me that you love me by obeying me. No, 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 no. What he's saying is, by this intimate relationship, this love, in, love relationship, if you love me, you are going to walk out in my commandments. We still have to choose to do that, yes. There is discipline involved in obedience, for sure. But just as it says in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 36, 27, God says about the covenant that he made with us, I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and you will do them. God causes us by his spirit to walk in obedience, but that comes through an intimate relationship with him. Are you with me? My heart is stirred. My heart is motivated. I am driven in, a, in love to obey, to walk out what God says. Because I love God, I want to keep a pure life. Because I love God, I want to obey Him. Because I love God, because I love God. Do you see how this works? So it flows out in obedience. It is always a response to God's love. Because he loved us first, before we loved him. And he poured his love into our hearts. And that's why it says, the love of God has been perfected in him. When you see somebody walking like that. We're not talking about a vain, traditional form of religion that I am strictly trying to obey God's word. You will never, you will never be able to live the Christian life like that. I remember a family member saying to me, Conrad, is it really possible not to look at a woman with lust in your heart? I said, yes. No, it cannot be. It's impossible. 
In the flesh, it is impossible. When we try to do it out of our own strength, I'm not just talking about that principle now, I'm talking about living the Christian life. If I try to live everything that is written in this word in my own strength and power, I will fail. Because there's nothing good in me. My righteousness is like filthy rags. But because of the spirit of the living God living in me, and because I have this intimate relationship, the spirit helps me to live out this, gives me the power to live out this Christian life. Are you with me? But it comes from a love relationship. So in verse 9 to 11, then he begins to talk about this horizontal plane. He says, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light. Can you see, he talks about darkness and light, but then in the second part mentions again love. Are you with me? He who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, you'll say to me, Conrad, hate is a strong word. I don't hate anybody. Now, hate is a strong word. But if you look at the standard that Jesus set for a relationship, for, for, for obeying God, he says, um, it, the, Bible, the Old Testament says, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery in your heart. So there's a lot more to hate than what your level of hate is. And, and besides that, your perspective of hate may be different to my perspective of hate. Are you with me? We might have different gauges of leveling what hate is. But what I want to talk about is genuine relationship, true relationships. What does it look like? What does this look like in the Christian walk? What are the different qualities we can look at? Now, please, I do not speak from a place of perfection. I don't intend to, and I will... I am growing like everybody else. Are you with me? So I do not necessarily even claim to have attained all this. This word has challenged me just as much as I hope it challenges you. I have not been perfected in this. Some of you might say, yeah, but Conrad, you didn't greet me before the service. You don't love me very much. <laughs> I'm very sorry if you feel offended because of that. So we're going to look at the qualities, the quality and qualities of this type of love. And we're going to apply it on both planes. Because this is what I want to highlight is the quality of love. Because on the horizontal plane, later again, he inf uh, John enforces it in 1 John 4 verse 11. In, in 1 John 4, I can't remember if it's verse 11. <clears throat> the first thing I want to say about love, this, this love of relationships, it is true, not just mere words or an alternative agenda. Now, when we look at the first plane, the, the vertical plane, in church today, we have the, the greatest worship songs. We have the most fantastic poets all across the world with the internet generation and with us getting knowledge from all over the world. We have got the most wonderful songs with the best lyrics and just inspires you. Now, please, I do not try to promote or condone any band or anything like that. I just want to give you lyrics, all right, as an example. So the only one I can think of because of, I, I can't believe it, because of my age. I'm not that old. <laughs> all right. Uh, what, what is that one song? Lord, I give you my heart. 
I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, <laughs> every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Fantastic, beautiful, inspiring words. Just sounds so right, and I'm sure God is so impressed when I sing it. But first of all, do you mean it? Second of all, do you apply it? <laughs> because I'm sure not all of us allow God to have His way in us every moment we're awake. If you try, good for you. Are you with me? Every breath that you're taking, are you allowing God to have your way? I, I, I confess and I repent. Forgive me, Lord. I don't. If you do, please come pray for me after the service. I need your prayer. Now, it's good. It's good if you are genuine and you mean it. That's excellent. Are you with me? And we can sing it in faith. God, I'm going to do it. I'm Peter was that type of character, the apostle Peter. Lord, you know I will never deny you. Even if they try to kill me, I will not deny you. Peter, 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 Peter. Surely I say, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. I'm sure Peter was quite offended with that statement from Jesus. He meant every word that he was saying. Peter was very passionate, very devoted, but he was not aware of his weaknesses. So I'm, I'm okay with you genuinely meaning what you say. But also, do we, do we intentionally practice what we sing or what we commit to God? Or is it a sacrifice of fools? That we sing all these wonderful songs, that we pray all these wonderful prayers, that we make all these commitments to God. God hears every word that you say. I'm here today because of one of my very first prayers. When I first got saved, I was sitting in a little cell group. What is it? A small group, whatever you may call them, support groups, care groups. And um, as a young man, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I was so grateful for God's, God's salvation, what he did in my life. I was still full of sin and I was still wet behind the ears and all sorts of things. But I was, in that moment, I was just so overwhelmed. I said, God, I give you everything my whole life. Whatever you say I will do, I just laid it all down there on the table. God has held me to that word throughout the years. Even when I have not been able to keep that word, he has carried me in that word. That is why I'm here today, not back in home in South Africa with a normal job. We need to understand the gravity of our commitment. Are you with me? Our, our love must be true. In our relationships, our love must be true. Our, and not just mere words or an alternative agenda. What do I mean by alternative agenda? You see, human love has this type of thing. Now, please, theologians, do not crucify me. In Greek, you, Greek, you have uh, different words for love. You have the agape love of God. You have the eros love, you have phileo love. There's, there's a multifaceted concept of love in the Greek language. Are you with me? And the way I understood and the way I learned in a Bible school, and theologians, please forgive me, agape is like this. All right? It is just straightforward. No conditions, no exception, unconditional love. Nothing expected in return. Now, eros love, okay, eros love does contain the connotation of sexual, physical love, but eros love is like this. It is conditional. Are you with me? And many times our human love can be like that. 
I love because you love me. I love you because you're nice to me. Or I love you expecting love in return. That's just the human nature of things. And I'm not just talking about Christian. Everybody has the capacity of love. The non-believer walking out there has the capacity to love his wife, love his children, love his friend. Are you with me? Every different God, different religion, they all have a capacity of love. But as I say, human love works like that. And I'm generalizing, I know. But it mustn't have an alternative agenda when it comes to the vertical plane. I, as a Christian, we are called to love everybody. (laughs) We've got to love our brother or sister, whether you like it or not. I mean, look at the person next to you. If it's your wife, look the other way. And then maybe look at your wife. You have to love your wife or your husband. (laughs) All right? But you've got to love your brother, no matter the personality clash, no matter what they look like, how they smell. You've got to love them. We're commanded to love our brothers. You're commanded to love your enemies. But always remember that they are your enemies. Love them as your enemies. I will turn my back on my wife, but I will never turn my back on my enemy. But I will love him. Are you with me? The love I have for a non-believer is not the same as the love I have for a brother or sister in Christ. I love them both. Similarly, I love my brother Mike. I told you it was coming. I love my brother Mike, but not the same way I love my wife. Thank goodness. You're handsome, Mike, but not that handsome. There's a different type of love. Different, different, there's different love. Even a love between a husband and a wife and a love for my children. I love them. Uncon- I love them so much with all my heart. It's different love. Are you with me? Love is so wide. Love is so multifaceted. I've got to be aware of that, that I need to love. But this is the difference between you with the spirit of Christ in you and the unbeliever out there. It's the love of God called the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the spirit is love. What does that mean? Because the Muslim out there loves, the atheist out there loves, the Hindu out there loves. Do they have the fruit of the Spirit? No. It is the outworking of the work of the Spirit in my life that causes me to generate a quality of love called God's agape love. That I have God's love for other people. That I have God's love for my brother or sister. That I have God's love for my wife. Then there's no more falling in love and falling out of love. You can't fall out of love. It's not something you accidentally fell into and then fall out again. It's intentional. It's purposeful. It's not just mere words. Like, young guy says to a young girl, I love you. And the girl goes, oh, say it again. When we get, become mature, we understand that those words mean nothing. But our love must come with a commitment. Are you with me? Our love, our love is, so far, is so much weightier than just words. And that's why, please, this is not a principle for life. This is just my personal choice. When, when, I, when, I came to my, when my wife and I were courting, I just said to her at one point, I am not going to say I love you until that day. Because when I said I love you, I want you to know that my love comes with a commitment. And when I went on my knee and I presented that ring before her, I said, will you marry me? I said, I love you. Will you marry me? That is what my love means. 
Are you with me? That is the quality of my love. Everyone say quality. You've got to look at what is the quality of your love in the vertical plane and the horizontal plane. All right? It is seen in our actions and our lifestyle. Our love must be seen in our actions and our lifestyle. This way, by this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another as I have loved you. The quality of your love for your brothers and sisters will, will show the world who God is and how God loves us. Therefore, there's no longer space for backbiting, gossiping, superficial, hello, how are you, smile and wave. I'm not saying you must have this deep, intimate, connecting love for every brother and sister in the church. That'll be very difficult. We can always work towards that. Praise the Lord. But we do have differing personalities. And sometimes they are more difficult to get around than others. I'm not looking anywhere. I'm just looking up here. <laughs> we cannot. We are human beings. But we strive. Are you with me? To love one another with that quality love. All right? It is committed regardless of circumstances. It is committed. And this is where you look at a husband and a wife. Can I say it, my darling, or not? I'm going to say it. Please forgive me. You can, you can hit me later. I love this saying, she hates it. <laughs> I don't always like my wife, but I always love my wife. <laughs> Sure, some of the ladies are looking at me like, how dare you say that? What I'm trying to say is the feeling of love is not always around. Sometimes you want to enter into a boxing match instead of a loving match. Because there's conflict, there's disagreement. Sometimes my wife wants to knock my block off like now. Oh, sorry, are we the only one who has this type of marriage? What I'm saying is, the, the, the happy butterfly feelings of love is not always there. Are you with me? Sometimes things are difficult, even in friendships. Sometimes it's tough. You've got to work through it. But there's always the commitment and the covenant of love. That is a quality of love. That's why I say you don't just fall in and fall out. Because there's a commitment and a covenant. That's why you say in your vows, or for those of you who still do the traditional vows, until death do you part, in sickness and in health, in bad breath and smelly armpit, everything, I love you regardless. There is a commitment. And same with our relationship with God. There is a commitment. It is not just, oh, I love you. And unfortunately, a large part of the global church fell into that trend because of the wonderful songs we sing. It became about feeling. I'm led by my emotions. I'm led by the experience to love God. Young Christians, even though they are sincere and genuine, they do not necessarily understand the full commitment of what they are saying, although they are genuine. The gospel is free, but it costs you everything. Are you with me? I have to do things that I do not like doing, 
But I do them because I love God. And the last point I want to say is, it goes, but it goes far beyond duty because unfortunately when it becomes only about duty, then it's a religious traditional relationship with God. It becomes a, a contract, not a covenant. Similarly with our marriages can become like that. When, when it's only about duty and responsibility and commitment. But the last point I want to say about the qualities of love is it's heartfelt, tender. It's an emotional response to the love that God has for us. We need to have soft hearts. In the vertical, when I sing that old song, Amazing Grace, so many times I just start crying when I look back at my life and what I've gone through with God. I come from a background of drug addiction, of Satanism, of damaged brain cells. I, I went through the washing machine and the tumble dryer and came out looking really bad on the other side. God found me on the pavement trying to commit suicide, going into a mental institution for the rest of my life. That is where God came in and intervened. I had nothing. I had no body. And when I look at my life today, how I've traveled all across the world, how God has used me to change and transform people's lives through him, when I look at the quality of my marriage and the beautiful, awesome wife that I have, Mike, <laughs> when I look at the quality of my marriage, the quality of my, children, my child and possibly children, and I look at the goodness of God, all his provision, I'm just filled with overwhelming gratitude and tenderness and response of love and affection towards my God. I say it like this because it's not my initiative. I, I, I've tried, but it's not my initiative to love God because God loves me first. God loved me first. And because of him loving me first and because he poured out his love into me, I cry out, Abba Father. It's always as a response to his love and God's okay with that. Similarly, in this, in this horizontal relationship, now, I'm not saying we must have this deep, overwhelming, emotional response to every person. Please, no. I, I wouldn't be able to handle that. I don't have the capacity. <laughs> but what I'm saying is we've got to learn to love people dearly and genuinely. Have genuine affection and care for one another as brothers in Christ. Brothers and sisters. Men, learn how to soften your heart. I don't know about your different cultures. In the South African culture, we were taught... Men don't cry. Men don't show emotions. Men are tough. <laughs> Big T for testosterone. The first time I cried on a movie, my goodness, I wept and I sobbed. It was something called October, October Skies. Oh. There's, there is a word. Men, if you want to watch a good movie that will make you cry, <laughs> Warrior. It's called Warrior. It's a bit gruesome, so please, if you don't like fighting, the warrior does connotate violence. <laughs> it's about two brothers that go at it in a professional ring and their lives. I can watch it a hundred times. I bawl my eyes out every time. And I remember the first time I cried in a movie, there was a, a girl, we were on a ministry team, and this is the first time a girl had seen a man cry, and she was just shocked. 
But we need to learn how to soften our hearts towards one another, to show genuine care and affection, that people can tangibly experience that love when it comes to non-believers. They see it when they walk in here. They feel a quality of love. They, they feel part of a family. No longer this, how are you? Yeah, God is good all the time. God is good. We can put on this facade of holiness and love and brotherly kindness until the tie goes off and then it's, woman, fetch me a beer. <laughs> Vertical and horizontal. You see, when you love God with all your heart, soul and strength, you, become, you begin to love people dearly as well. After all my intense dealings with the world of drug addiction and all that, I really damaged myself and I was not a people person. I was not fun to be around. I, I don't know, Mike, am I fun to be around? Ben, I don't know. I'm still not, not 100% there yet. But, <laughs> but if you think I'm not a people person now, you didn't know me back then. You know? And if you ask me, one place in the world you want to go, an island all by myself, peace and quiet. Now I cannot imagine a life without people around me. Of course, holidays, I still want to be by myself. Leave me alone. But I need people. I want people. Because God wants people. God is a relational God. He created you and me for that purpose, to relate with him. Not just to bow down and, oh, God, you are so holy. No. God created you because he has a passion to pour his love into someone else's life. And he wants you to respond in kind because he loves relating. He's a people God. He's a family God. And when I begin to love God with all my heart, I begin to develop the heart of God in my life. That's why he says, if, I know, if you know, say you know God, and you don't love people, you're a liar. Because if you know God in that deep, intimate way, you know he's about people. And you will become about people. I didn't say you'll become a people person. You'll become about people. You'll learn how to love them with genuine love. So I want to challenge you this afternoon. Look at this, re this relationship. But start here. Don't, don't try to start here. It doesn't work. Are you with me? Start here. Look at the qualities of your relationship. Look at the words you say. Look at the qualities of the love. And then see if it, how or if it flows out outwards and grow and change. I am continually growing and change on this vertical plane because I realize if I'm super spiritual and saying I love God, but I don't have this, this in practice, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, I'm kidding myself. Amen. And in this way, we can fulfill the law of God. And all, all men will see God because of this. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. You are such an awesome, perfect, loving, heavenly Father. Thank you that you are love and that you pour your love into us. God, we're so astounded about your love for us. When you think about our relationship with you, all that you've done for us, God, we're filled with gratitude and gratefulness. Thank you, Father, for your work in our lives. And Father, I pray that you'll teach us how to love one another with a love that you loved us, that you laid down your life for us, such a quality sacrifice 
such a perfect sacrifice, such a perfect love. Teach us to have this quality of love when it comes to our relationship with you, but also with other people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast was from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship. Learn more about us online at ticf-georgia.org. Thanks for listening.